we have any graduates in the room this morning? Raise your hand if you graduated high school, college, preschool, something, grade school. No graduates in this group? Okay, very good. Uh, happy Memorial Day then. Let's do that next. Uh, Memorial Day, as, uh, as Ryan pointed out, is a day that we set aside to honor the men and the women uh, throughout our history who have fought and, and died for our country. Originally, it was known as what? Who knows? Decoration Day. Very good. And uh, who knows the birthplace? I didn't know that. That's not what uh, the History Channel told me. I looked it up on the History Channel, and they say that the origin of Decoration Day was Waterloo, New York in 1866. So I don't know. We got competing information. Hashtag fake news. I don't know where it started. We'll see. Uh, but in Waterloo, here's what I know happened in Waterloo. They closed, the community closed down all the businesses, and as a community, they went out and they decorated. Uh, this was shortly after the Civil War. They went out and decorated the graves of uh, the soldiers with flowers and things. Eventually, it did become a federal holiday in 1971. I don't think that's disputed. I think we've got uh, a good record on, on that event. And I know that you didn't come to church this morning for a history lesson. I get that. But I do think it's important that we take a moment and just say that we are very thankful. We are very thankful for those sacrifices that have been made. Because what we're doing right now, gathering together and the freedom that we have to gather in this place to worship God as we choose, uh, there was a lot of sacrifice. There were many lives lost in our history to make this moment possible for us. The end of slavery uh, cost a lot of lives. Uh, the continuation of our freedom has, throughout our history, cost a lot of lives, and we just want to be thankful for that. And so what I'd like to do before we go any farther is just thank the Lord that we live where we live. If we, would you pray with me? Father, thank you so much uh, for the blessing. It wasn't in my control or that anyone sitting here on the other side of that camera. We had nothing to do with where we would be born. Uh, in your grace, uh, in your sovereign grace, Lord, this is where we were born. And uh, we just want to thank you for that because we recognize in other parts of the world, so many places in the world, what we're doing right now is not possible. And uh, we just want to praise you for this freedom. We don't want to take it for granted. And we give you the, the glory and we give you the praise. And so we, uh, we don't want to just go through the motions this morning in our worship. We don't want to just go through the motions and studying your word. Uh, we want to give you our best uh, because we recognize you deserve that. And we also recognize uh, that this is a privilege that we have in America that other places don't. And so we just want to thank you for those men, those women throughout our history that have fought and died uh, to give us this freedom. And we praise you for that too, in Jesus' name. Amen. So I'm sure that tomorrow is going to look different for each of us. Every family kind of has a different rhythm, a different way of celebrating Memorial Day. I know some families are going to celebrate tomorrow by going to a, some type of military ceremony. Uh, some families will gather together for a picnic. Some will gather together to watch a parade. Uh, some families are going to visit a cemetery, and you're going to decorate a grave. And it might not even be for a veteran. It might be for just a family member that you have lost. Um, 
So it's going to look different for each of our families, but I think one thing that we all have in common is this. Tomorrow, at some point throughout the day, I would imagine that we will all reflect on someone that we've lost. I think at some point on days like Memorial Day, there's this reflection on those, not just who have died for freedom. That's important. I hope that we all reflect on that. But many of us are going to have this moment where we reflect on someone that's not sitting next to us at the parade, someone that's not at the picnic, uh, that we would love to, uh, to be there. And I just think that on days like Memorial Day, that's something that we all share. That's a, a sense, uh, that's a feeling, that's a moment that we're probably all at least going to uh, share in some way. I can remember Memorial Day, uh, uh, the picnics that we used to have at my grandparents' house down here in East Freedom. We would gather together and have a nice picnic, and uh, they would have watermelon for, for dessert. Now, when I was a kid, I hated watermelon, and now that I'm an adult, it's still gross. I still hate it. Uh, but I always enjoyed the watermelon seed uh, battles that always seemed to break out at our family picnics. They would have these contests to see who could spit the watermelon seeds the farthest, uh, and I always thought that was a lot of fun, so I kind of, uh, everything came out. I didn't swallow any of that watermelon. It all came out, uh, but we had a really good time, and that memory is a good memory, but as I think about, as I reflect on that memory, a lot of the people in that memory aren't here anymore. A lot of the people in that memory have died. Welcome to Grace Fellowship Church the uplifting capital of the cove, right? Now, I'm not trying to be morbid, and I'm not trying to bum you out on your holiday weekend. I just, I just think it's important to be honest about the fact that death is a part of life, and death is something that touches all of us. And at some point in our lives, uh, maybe it's touched some of you more than it has touched others, right? I understand that, but some people go a long, long time in their life before they ever lose someone. And other people, you've lost a lot of people uh, throughout your lifetime, and it's touched you more. Um, but at some point, it touches all of us, and there are these questions that come along with death. And whether you're a follower of Jesus or you're not a follower of Jesus, at some point, those questions, uh, they touch us, and they, they bounce around in our minds, and they tug at our heart. Uh, questions like, if there is an eternal soul, a soul that uh, lives beyond the physical body, if that's true, where does that soul go? Right? People uh, want to know the answer to that question. If there is a heaven, if there is a hell, what determines whether or not your soul goes to heaven or your soul goes to hell? We don't get to see a person's soul float out of their body. We can't see that. We can't see on the other side of this physical world that we live in. So it's not like uh, we have this scientific evidence that we can look at and know for sure. Like, that science isn't going to reveal that mystery to us. And humans have been trying to solve the mystery of death the mystery of the afterlife for centuries. Philosophers have, have tried to grapple with the concept of immortality. 
ancient Egyptians, if you know anything about the ancient Egyptians and the, and the mummies and all the things that they did, they put a lot of time and effort and money into sending people into what they imagined was the afterlife and their concept of that. Mediums try to communicate with the dead. They try to find out what's on the other side of this life. And that's not a, uh, just a modern thing. That's been going on for centuries. Modern scientists have investigated claims of what we would call near-death experiences. Or uh, there's some, I, I guess you would call it some type of science, but there are those who try to uh, figure out what's going on with the paranormal, the, these ghost sightings that, uh, that people claim that they have seen. Now, I did a really in-depth study on what's on the other side of this life months and months ago in a series called What's on the Other Side. And it series looks like this. If you if you missed that series, I'm not going to cover everything that I covered in that entire series today. So if, uh, if the questions that I'm going to be uh, talking about in this text uh, don't address some of the questions that you might have, it's most likely going to be answered in this series. So you can go back this week and go to our website at gracefellowship.online. Just click the sermon button at the top and you will be able to find that playlist of sermons if that would be helpful to you. But there's these questions, I think, that are common about death that people have. They're not new mysteries that people are wondering about. And the believers in Thessalonica, we've been studying this letter that Paul and his, his associates wrote to the believers in Thessalonica. They had questions. They had questions about the mysteries of death. We're going to look at those. Now, most of you know who this is, right? Scooby-Doo, y'all cartoon dog, right? And he has this team of friends, and they would drive around in the cartoon, right? They drive around in the mystery machine van, and they solve mysteries. And usually it's about a ghost or some monster, and it's usually involving, you know, like a ski resort or a museum or something. And, and, uh, and the mystery team, Scooby-Doo and his friends, they, they, they solve the mystery. They rip the mask off the monster or the ghost or whatever, and they solve they solve the mystery. They reveal the truth behind it. I'm going to ask you to open up your Bibles to 1 Thessalonians chapter 4. We're going to start in verse 13. This section of Scripture that we're going to look at today, that we're going to read together and study, is kind of like one of these Scooby-Doo mystery-solved type passages. These verses that we're going to look at together answer a lot of the questions. They reveal a lot of the mysteries that people uh, have been searching for answers for of what's on the other side of, of this life and what's, what's coming in the future. And I want you to go ahead and look at verse 18. We're going to just start right up front with verse 18 because the purpose of these verses is given to us. It's not out of curiosity that this mystery is revealed. It's not, uh, it's not for some cheap party trick. Hey, look what I can do. That's not what the purpose of these verses is. Verse 18 says, So encourage each other with these words. You need to know right up front that we aren't just solving this mystery to satisfy our curiosity. This, this Scooby-Doo type mystery solved moment is intended to give us hope. The purpose of it is to bring us 
comfort. So the next time you have what I call a Memorial Day moment, the next time we find ourselves thinking about or wondering about the mysteries of death, the next time we find ourselves reflecting on the people in our lives that aren't at the picnic, we can go back to this passage of Scripture. We can find hope here and we can find comfort. That's what I'm hoping for this passage for us today. You ready? The digital notes, if you want to take digital notes this morning, um, maybe some of you are writing down, you brought a tablet or whatever, but if you want to follow along, uh, the website's a little bit different now. Uh, when you go to the website, gracefellowship.online, you have to select your campus. Just select Lemersville, our campus, and it's all on one page. You just scroll down and you'll find a big green box that says Sermon Notes. It's really easy to find, but it does look a little bit different. So we're going to solve the mystery of death. We're going to rip off the mask, and we are going to reveal some comfort. We're going to reveal some hope this morning. Here's the first thing you need to know. The first thing you need to know is where this information is coming from. Who is it that is actually solving this mystery of death for us? Look at verse 13. Now, dear brothers and sisters, we want you to know what will happen. We can know it. This is, not, uh, this is not conjecture, it's not speculation, it's not our best guess. We can know what will happen to believers who have died. So you will not grieve like people who have no hope. For since we believe that Jesus died and was raised to life again, we also believe that when Jesus returns, God will bring back with him the believers who have died. Verse 15 is the key to this point. We tell you this directly from the Lord. The information that we are going to be looking at today comes directly from Jesus. That means we can be confident in what we're learning. We can be confident in solving this mystery because the source of our information is God. And it's not Paul giving us speculation. It's not Paul giving us his best guess of what might happen in the future. This comes directly from Jesus. And you notice in those first two verses, 13 and 14, we see the unique credentials that Jesus has. Yes, he is God, but he also experienced death and resurrection. And because of that, Jesus, we could not ask for a better source uh, than Jesus the one who reveals this mystery is not, is not Paul, it's not Scooby-Doo. It's someone who experienced death himself and experienced resurrection and is God. We could not ask for a better source of truth to reveal this mystery to us. That's the first thing you need to know. The revealed truth comes from God. Here's the second thing that you need to know. You need to know that Jesus Christ is going to return. You need to know that. Jesus Christ is going to return. Verse 14, let me get back up there. Since we believe Jesus died, was raised to life, we also believe that when Jesus returns, not if he returns, not maybe he'll return, when he comes back, God will bring back with him the believers who have died. We tell you this directly from the Lord, we who are still living, again, when the Lord returns will not meet him ahead of those who have died. The fact that Jesus is coming back, it's not speculation, 
We know this from Jesus giving us this promise, giving it to Paul, who then gives it to us. Uh, coming back to rescue believers out of this, this crazy, sinful world that we live in, I find it to be very comforting. In John chapter 14, you can hold your finger in Thessalonians and check this out. In John chapter 14, the first three verses, uh, Ryan read these earlier. I just want to remind you of what's here. Don't let your hearts be troubled. Trust in God. Trust also in me. Let me pause and give you the context of what's happening. Jesus is about to go to the cross. The setting here is their last meal together before he's arrested, before the the trial, before the crucifixion. And everyone's on edge. And uh, Jesus had already told them about what was going to happen with Peter, told them that there was going to be a betrayal, all this stuff. And they're on edge and they're nervous and maybe kind of scared. And he says, "Don't, don't let your hearts be troubled. Trust in God. Trust also in me. And then he gives a promise. There's more than enough room in my father's home. If this were not so, would I have told you that I'm going to prepare a place for you? Where? In his father's home. Where's that? Heaven. When everything is ready, here's the promise. I will come and get you. I'm coming back, Jesus said, so that you will always be with me where I am. I'm going to come back. I'm going to get you, and I'm going to take you with me to heaven, and we'll be together forever. Jesus made a promise, and because Jesus is the one who made the promise, we can be confident that that promise will be fulfilled. And I understand everyone wants to dig into the mystery of when, like when is this going to happen? I I get that. People want to win. When is Jesus going to return? And I'm going to talk a little bit more about that next week. You don't want to miss what we're going to talk about next week. I don't want us to be so focused, and sometimes people do, they get so focused on trying to figure out the when that they miss the what, the incredible, the incredible uh, truth and hope that we have in the fact that Jesus is coming back. Don't jump past that. I appreciate uh, the pastors who took care of things while I was away last week. Pastor Caleb did a great job uh, delivering the message. Pastor Jeff actually filled in and did a, a, a funeral for me while I was away. I uh, really appreciate uh, those, those guys. When I was out on the West Coast, I was representing in uh, Inspire, our national ministerium, did basically the same presentation in a bunch of different places, got to preach in a, in a church in Goldendale, Washington last week, had a really good experience. Uh, but we were in, uh, I think, seven different flights and two different rental cars, uh, two different, three different states. So we were all over the place. And uh, by the end of the week, as you can imagine, I'm tired and I just want to, I just want to get home. And the day before we're supposed to come home, I get a call that our flight uh, from Baltimore back to Altoona, Martinsburg, uh, got moved two hours ahead, which basically means I couldn't get it, because I, I had these things timed out, so that flight got canceled. So I tried to get a rental car. Well, because of where we live, you can't just get a rental car in Baltimore and then drop it off in Altoona. They don't let you do that. The closest place they would let us do that was Allentown. I'm not driving to Allentown. So all day I'm thinking, how in the world are we going to get home? My wife won't drive past Altoona. I don't know how, 
I don't know how, how I'm getting home. And uh, I, guess, I guess we'll either walk or we're getting in an apartment. We're going to live in Baltimore now, right? I guess this is where we live now, in Baltimore. Um, and it was one of those moments where uh, you think about Memorial Day and you think about those kind of moments. That's the kind of moment that I had because my dad would have been the one who came and got me. In fact, he's done that a number of times in the past. He's, he came and got me when these kind of things happened in the past. And, of course, he's not around. And, and, uh, and so my sister, Michelle, she came and got me. And uh, came and picked me up at the, at the airport and just really appreciated that. But when Michelle said she was coming to get me, when Michelle showed up at the airport to pick me up, and I knew I wasn't stuck in Baltimore, right? What a relief. What a comfort to know that uh, she said, I'm, I'm going to come get you. I asked, what are your plans? What are your pl- My plans are I'm coming to get you. That's what she said. My plans are I'm coming to get you. Jesus is coming back for us, guys. Did you get that? He's coming back for us. We're not stuck. This country is kind of upside down right now. The world is kind of upside down. We're not stuck here, guys. Jesus is coming back to get us. Don't don't jump over that fact and get so focused on the when it's going to happen. It'll happen when Jesus, when God says, when the Father says it's time. When Jesus comes, he'll come. You need to know that uh, Jesus come back. There's going to be a return. Here's the, sec- here's the third thing that you need to know. There's going to be a resurrection. There's going to be a return. There's going to be a resurrection. Verses 15 and 16. Let's jump back in there. I tell you this directly from the Lord. We who are still living when the Lord returns will not meet Him ahead of those who have died. Talking about believers. For the Lord Himself will come down from heaven with a commanding shout the voice of the archangel with the trumpet call of God, first, the believers who have died will rise from their graves. There's going to be a resurrection. What's that resurrection going to be like? Because it doesn't give us a lot of details about that resurrection here. There's other places that, uh, in Scripture that do. So I'm just going to explore that with you. Answer, reveal this mystery to you. What's this resurrection going to be like? One of the great passages is in Philippians chapter 3. Check this out. It's on the screen. Verses 20 and 21. Our citizenship, who? The believer, the follower of Christ, is in heaven. And we eagerly await a Savior from there. Who is that Savior? The Lord Jesus Christ is that Savior. Who by the power that enables Him to bring everything under His control will transform our lowly bodies, so that they will be like His glorious body. Now, there's still some mystery surrounding that. You think about after the resurrection and the body, the glorious, the glorified body of Jesus. We, we look at, at that, uh, that, that account in the Gospels. We see that He ate fish with the disciples, but He was also able to like, walk through walls, walk through doors. And so I, I don't know, there's, there's still some mystery. We'll find out what this glorious body is going to be like when we get to heaven. There's still a little bit of mystery there, but it's going to be incredible. It'll be like the glorious body of Jesus. There's some more information, some more of this mystery revealed to us in 1 Corinthians 15. Check that out. Hold your finger in Thessalonians. We're coming back. 1 Corinthians 15. Now, this is a longer section of Scripture, so like if you didn't sleep well last night, I don't know what you need to do, pinch yourself or something, stay with me. 
We're going to read some scripture together, but some really good stuff. I don't want you to miss it. Verse, verse 35 is where we're going to start. 1 Corinthians 15, 35. Someone may ask, how will the dead be raised? What kind of bodies will they have? What a foolish question. When you put a seed into the ground, it doesn't grow into a plant unless it dies first. And what you put in the ground is not the plant that will grow, but only a bare seed of wheat or whatever you're planting. Then God gives it the new body He wants it to have. A different plant grows from each kind of seed. Similarly, there are different kinds of flesh. One kind for humans, another kind for animals, another for birds, another for, foot, for fish. And there's also bodies in the heavens and bodies on the earth. The glory of the heavenly bodies is different from the glory of the earthly bodies. The sun has one kind of glory, the moon and the stars each have another kind, and even the stars differ from each other in their glory. In the same way, with the resurrection of the dead, that's what we're talking about, right? Our earthly bodies are planted in the ground when we die, but they will be raised to live forever. Our bodies are buried in brokenness, they'll be raised in glory. They're buried in weakness, they'll be raised in strength. They're buried in uh, natural human bodies, they will be raised a spiritual body. But for, ju for just as there are natural bodies, there are spiritual bodies. And he then describes about Jesus and who Jesus is and, and why Jesus is the reason this is all possible. You go down to verse 51. He says, let me reveal to you a wonderful secret. He's going to pull the mask off of the mystery. We will not all die. And we're talking about that this morning in Thessalonians, but we will all be transformed. Now, when he says all, who's he talking about? He's talking about believers, followers of Christ. Not everyone is going to experience what we're talking about here. We're all going to die. Uh, we won't all die but we will all be transformed. Talking about the believer. It will happen in a moment in the blink of an eye when the last trumpet is blown. When the trumpet sounds, those who have died will be raised to live forever. That's where we're at right now in Thessalonians, right? And we who are living will also be transformed, for our dying bodies must be transformed into bodies that will never die. Our mortal bodies must be transformed into immortal bodies. Then... When our dying bodies have been transformed into bodies that will never die, the scripture will be fulfilled. Death is swallowed up in victory. O death, where is your victory? O death, where is your sting? The resurrection that we're talking about is not a reconstruction of our old body. I love that illustration that is given us in 1 Corinthians about the seed and the plant. I think, I think that's such a vivid illustration of what is going to take place, a plant from a seed. The flower of a plant is not identical to the seed that was put into the ground, right? We, we, we've seen enough plants and seeds to know how this works. And even though that plant, even though that flower is not identical to the seed, there is a connection there. There is a continuity from the seed to the plant, from the seed to the flower, but it's not the same thing. The resurrection of believers results in this glorified body, like the glorified body of Jesus. The dead body is like the seed. 
And the resurrection is the flower that comes from that seed. It's not a reconstruction of the old body. I'm thankful for that. Are you thankful for that? And this happens, this incredible miracle happens through the resurrection power of Jesus Christ. There's going to be a return of Jesus and there's going to be a resurrection. Fourth thing you need to know is there's going to be a rapture. There's going to be a rapture. Look at verse 17. Then, so the believers who have died uh, are risen from the dead and they get a glorified body. Verse 17, then together with them, we who are still alive and remain on the earth at this moment will be caught up in the clouds to meet the Lord in the air. And then we'll be with the Lord. How long? Forever. Forever. Now, the word rapture is not here in this text. The phrase that's in the text is the phrase caught up, caught up. And that in the Greek language is used to communicate moving from one place to another place very rapidly and oftentimes by force. Imagine walking down the street. And you see a van pull up. Maybe it's Scooby-Doo driving the van. I don't know. But you see a van pull up, and uh, the van door opens, and you got uh, Scooby's friends all have masks on, whatever, and they jump out, and they grab someone off the street. They throw them in the van. They drive off. That's caught up. Imagine Navy SEALs who... Go in and rescue someone who has been held hostage. I've never seen that in real life, neither of you probably, but uh, we've seen things like that in movies and depictions on the news or whatever. And uh, it's something that happens very rapidly, something very fast and by force. That's caught up. Another part of this mystery, when we think about... uh, this, this idea of caught up and the reason that we use this word rapture to describe this, this future event. The word rapto is a Latin word and rapto means to, to, to seize, to carry off the idea of, of quickly and by force. It's a, it's a Latin word that we use to describe this future event. And that's coming. There's going to be a rapture. And you think about uh, this mystery that's being revealed to us, there's some really important things that are described about this event in this description. One of those mysteries that's revealed is that Jesus is going to return in the air. Did you catch that? The description of this rapture is Jesus appears, returns in the air. There's a shout, there's a trumpet, there's the uh, voice of the archangel, this loud command. I don't know what the command's going to be. Maybe it's something like, come up here. Whatever it is, it's going to be this incredible sound. And the dead believers come with Jesus from where? Did you pick that up? They come, the souls of the dead believers come with Jesus, who is in heaven. They come with Jesus from heaven. They get their glorified bodies that are from the earth, the seed transformed into the flower, this glorified body. They are reunited, not reconstructed. These souls and this glorified body come come together. And the believers who are alive get their glorified bodies, and we all join Jesus in the air. 
That's important for a couple of reasons. It's important because that information is what helps us set apart this event, this rapture event, from the return of Jesus at the end of the tribulation period, when Jesus returns to the earth. It also is important because this future event, this thing that we call the rapture, is what will set up the global crisis. We've just gone through and are still kind of lingering through this global crisis. Well, the rapture is going to be a global crisis that will set up the reality of the tribulation period. We're going to talk a little bit more about that next week, so hang on to that. I know that's something that a lot of people get interested in. We'll talk more about it. We'll unpack it next week. So it's important just to understand this information helps us uh, have a little bit more clarity into what the future is going to look like, but it's also important for a practical reason. It's important because it means that we don't really lose our friends and our family who are believers. Those who have put their faith and trust in Jesus Christ alone as their forgiver of sin, their Savior from hell, the Lord of their life, because of God's gift of grace and forgiveness that we have in Jesus, we don't lose them. Maybe you've said that. I, I have. I've said this at uh, viewings or funerals. We say things like, I'm very sorry for your loss. Or we might say, I lost this person. I lost this loved one. And we say that because we mean that we have lost contact with them. And that's fine. Perfectly an appropriate way to describe. We have lost contact uh, with these people who have, who have died. But we have to be careful that we, that we don't use the word loss in the sense that we would say, I lost my keys and I have no idea where they are. Because that's not the reality for the believer. We, have, we, we know exactly where they are. They're with Jesus. Believers who die are not lost in that way. They're with Jesus. Verse 14 tells us that Jesus is bringing the believer's souls with him. What's that, what's that mean? It means that they're with Jesus. We know exactly where they are. And so this, uh, this picture of the rapture is this incredible picture uh, of our future hope. And it gives us comfort to know that Jesus is coming back. But it also just reminds us that, uh, that we know exactly where our family and our friends who have trusted Christ are if they've died. There's going to be a, a return. There's going to be a resurrection. There's going to be a rapture. Last thing you need to know is there's going to be a reunion. There's going to be a reunion. Verse 17, together with them uh, who are still alive, remain on the earth, will be caught up in the clouds to meet the Lord in the air, and we will be with the Lord forever. This meeting, this this reunion in the air, it's going to be glorious. It's hard for me to even imagine it. But even more, the, more exciting the, the, than the glory of this reunion is the permanence of it. Imagine being reunited with your family, your friends, and knowing that it's permanent, it's forever. Imagine seeing Jesus face to face and knowing in that moment that it's forever. No more loss of connection with our loved ones. No more pain of death. It's a glorious hope. It's a glorious comfort, but you need to understand there's only one way to be part of it. 
There's only one way to be part of the return, only one way to be part of the resurrection, only one way to be part of the rapture, only one way to be part of this reunion. It's in verse 14. We've got to believe in Jesus as your forgiver of sin, your Savior from hell, the Lord of your life. You know, back in John 14, when Jesus promised to prepare a place in heaven for some people, He promised He was coming back to get some people. That promise was not made to everyone. That promise was made to a specific group of people. Not everyone goes to heaven. And after Jesus made this promise, Thomas actually said, uh, how, do we, how do we know where you're going? How do we know the way? We're not even sure where you're going. Thomas asked this question, and then Jesus responds with this famous, this famous verse. He said, I am the way. I'm the truth. I'm the life. And no one comes to the Father except by me. Jesus said that. I didn't say that about Jesus. Jesus claimed that for himself. There's only one way to be part of what we're talking about today. It's to trust in Christ alone to do for you what you cannot do for yourself. The mystery of death has been revealed. The mystery van just pulled up. Scooby-Doo just jumped out with the whole gang and ripped the mask right off the monster. Now, to be clear, that's a metaphor. Scooby-Doo is not in the Bible. I just make sure everyone, I don't want an email. Scooby-Doo is not in the Bible. Yeah, I know. It's a metaphor. But now we know, because of what's written here, what happens on the other side. The only question then that remains is, are you ready? Pretty important question, right? Are you ready? Death is something, I know Ryan mentioned it in his opening, that could happen at any time, and it's, it's absolutely true. Death could happen at any time, and so could the rapture. We'll talk more about that next week, but the rapture could happen before I'm done praying today. Right? It could happen at any moment. And so the question remains, do you know that you're ready? Do you know that you're ready? Do you know that you've trusted Christ as your forgiver of sin? Have you trusted Him to make you right with God? Because you can't do that on your own. You can't do that by yourself. You need Jesus. You know, the big challenge, I think, for this week is found in verse 18. I'm going to repeat it. I started with it, but I want to repeat it. Therefore, encourage each other with these words. Encourage each other with this revealed mystery. So to those of you in this room, those of you who are on the other side of that camera today, who are hurting, those of you who are carrying around the burden of sadness and the burden of pain, those who are struggling right now and just wondering, how much longer, Lord? How much more do I have to endure? I want to encourage you with this revealed mystery. Because one day, one day there'll be no more waiting left for our souls. One day there'll be no more lives taken too soon. No more children longing for a home. There'll be no more need for a hospital room. One day every tear that falls will be wiped by His hand and we will see the promised land. One day there'll be no more anger left in our eyes. One day the color of our skin won't cause a divide. One day we'll be family, standing hand in hand. One day every knee will bow, every tongue will confess. One day our tired and weary bones find their rest 
one day when the power of evil is brought to an end, we will see the promised land. I didn't write that. Cochran and company wrote that, but I believe it because God's word revealed it. So the big challenge, I believe, in verse 18 is to take that seriously and to take it literally. Encourage someone this week. This hope has has been revealed to us. Take it intentionally and literally to look for someone to encourage every day this week. Make it a goal. Every day, encourage at least one person with this hope that Jesus is coming back. There's going to be a return. There's going to be a resurrection. There's going to be a rapture. There's going to be a reunion because of what Jesus did for us. Amen? Let's encourage people with that this week. Lord, thank you so much for the opportunity that we've had to spend some time.